Welcome to another episode, episode six, I believe. Of Is it really? Arthritic Bourbon Bikers. Six. Number six. I we did number five the last time when we were actually on site in Kentucky. Yeah. Under a very nice pavilion with some wind noise and all kinds of other issues. Invading Weird. raccoons. Invading raccoons in the middle of the night, all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, what are we going to talk about today? Well, I went on a real long ride yesterday. Okay. And experienced a couple things. What was? How long was the ride? First of all, it was one hundred and seventeen miles. One seventeen. So you you had a goal of like one twenty was what you. One twenty five was the real goal. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it would have been achievable, but by the time I dallied and messed around, it was it was dark, it was cold, it was late. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad I didn't go any further because I was already sore. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. My uh, my warranty was about up for the, for that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you wanted to talk a little bit about some of the challenges. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple. First of all, it, the last couple of days have been a lot colder than what we've had. I have asthma, so reactive airway disease triggered by cold weather. So I get up. I was all ready to go. I had my stuff, and I... What was the temperature? It was... Do you remember? When I first started, it was, it was about 31, 32. Well, I was going to start. I got all my stuff ready. I opened the garage door, stepped outside. It was dark. It was cold. I'm like, I'm waiting. <laughs> so I postponed the departure. I seriously I went in and, and crawled on the couch in a fetal position, and I, I lay there until about 7. I actually dozed back off. Oh, wow. That almost never happens. Yes. So then I, you know, I get out, get ready to go, and I'm like, this is, this is happening. So I take off, and I had, had this route that I kind of had contrived with Google Maps and some local knowledge. Um, and the cold was, was a bit of a bother. I had, I had several layers, but I needed a windbreak. And so I put on my rain jacket, which is a real good windbreak. But then all that really did was hold in the moisture that I was generating from, from sweating and stuff. What did so you have on? I had a, um, and a merino wool T-shirt and another layer of wool. Um, and then I also had this sort of fleece thing um, that, I, that I put on over it, that I put my jacket on. And I had a wool hat. I had some nice gloves, um, wool socks, and some leggings, and then just some shorts. I actually rode the whole way without padded shorts. Mm -hmm. That's a long way without padded pants. But I took them with me in case I needed to change. Okay. So <clears throat> some kind of firm-soled shoes, and I just and I took off. With my, uh, you know, my GPS, my phone, and chargers and stuff. Um, and so I just set out, and I was, I was headed east. My plan was to head east along I-70 runs east-west. And I was going to get, it was probably 20, 20 miles or so. And then you go across the interstate where there is no exit ramp or anything. It's just an overpass. Uh, I found a, found a little store I'd never heard of. But that's, I started seeing more gravel than I thought. Hmm. I thought these were all paved roads, but they were gravel, a little hilly. And that's when I started seeing the dogs. Dogs. More dogs than cars. What is it about dogs and bicycles? There's something about people on bicycles that attract dogs. Motorcycle yeah. goes by. Maybe it's because it goes by faster. I don't know. But there is something about people pedaling a bicycle that attracts yeah. dogs. Yeah. Maybe it's their, their instinct is to chase it and bite it and eat it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but it's it really it really is something. I mean, it really gets retention. If you're going downhill, you can you can you can leave them, you know. 
but uh, I had several because you know if there's any amount of hills, you're not gonna you know, I cannot run a dog going uphill. At least I'm not. Right. So, um, so that's my 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 strategies I developed. I had some I planned beforehand because I knew I was gonna run into a bunch of dogs. Um, I mounted the wiffle ball bat back on the back on the bike. I didn't have to whack any any animals, but you brandish it, and some of them will kind of keep the distance. That really was effective. So just having something visible that is within yeah. reach yeah. of the yeah. said animal yeah. Yeah. can be of benefit because it gives them at least pause to think yeah. about. Yeah, at least that's what I found. Yeah. Um, and I've and read other people that have, you know, they say mace, but you got to get close for that. Yeah, and a wiffle ball so. bat would just scare them. It wouldn't, it wouldn't really hurt them. Yeah, it's not going to hurt them. It's going to make a lot of noise, and it's plastic. And yeah. For anybody that doesn't know what a wiffle ball bat is, you, you number one, you should be shot if you don't know what yeah, a wiffle ball need, bat you is. Yeah, you need experience You that. should get a wiffle ball bat and go hit some wiffle balls or rocks or rocks, walnuts, walnuts whatever, whatever you got. Whatever you can get your around. hands on. But everybody should know what a wiffle ball bat is. But that's mm-hmm. not the most, what I would call the most packable thing to take along with you, though. No, no. it's uh, You're making a sacrifice. So you have to engineer some way to carry that along. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've done that a couple times. Yeah. My old bike had one. Yeah, uh, the rig I I put it on now. I have some canvas stuff that really came from a military surplus store. Hmm. It's like a little pouch, and it velcros right onto the anything cages real nicely. And then there's a little loop that looks like it's it's some sort of uh, I don't really know what it is. It just came from from some military gear, and I just loop it around a little strap that's already on the bike for the um, feed bag and. And it's basically two anchor points. You just slide the slide the bat right in there. It's really a crazy little thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm thinking about taking an air horn now. A lot mm. of people write about those. Okay. Being effective, scaring them or yeah, startling them. Um, but I think I should I should say I had one experience on this ride that was, uh, it was it was a little bit more intense and. I had, um, there's out there in Callaway County, there's this big quarry out there, kind of not far from the um, from the nuclear plant. And so you go down a big descent, and it's all gravel at this point. And I looked up and I saw this huge hill. And I normally kind of like riding hills, but I was actually pretty intimidated by this hill with all the stuff I had on the bike, and it was washed out. And then I see this giant dog just sitting in the air. He's sleeping. He didn't see me yet. So I've stopped. Because I was, I was thinking about what I had read. And somebody had said, I can't quote who it was. They said, you know, um, you want to go, go slow. You want to get off your bike and walk it and keep the bike between you and the, and the dog. So I did. I, I, I was sure as heck I wasn't going back, right, or find another route. Because it's the middle of nowhere. So I'm walking by this huge dog, and he sits up and looks at me. But I was going real slow. Didn't bother him at all. He just looked at me, stared me down. Um... It was on a farm, so I assume, you know, that's kind of why you get a dog out there. You have livestock and things. So, yeah. um, but, uh, but then it was kind of almost a hike-a-bike type situation. It was that steep of a hill. So it would have been impossible to have any momentum and, you know, sort of leave this dog in the yeah. dust. Yeah. Um, he didn't even get up. He just looked at me. He looked at me real menacingly like, but that was it. But then I had to push this heavy bike. You know, I had a heavy bike anyway. You put a bunch of water and stuff in it and it was uh, it was a pretty steep hill and it was a long hill so that's how i got to the top you know i was nice and nice and you know sort of tachycardic and sweaty mm-hmm. so but able to move on but that was a tactic i read about and it seemed to seem to work hmm. okay 
So a lot of people will carry something like like you said you mentioned mace. It's one thing some people mm -hmm. pack along, but it is kind of hard to. I mean, if the dog was really chewing at your legs, I mean, mm -hmm. you could squirt down there. Of course, the fear is is the wind blows it back at you, and then you're yeah <laughs> incapacitated. Mm -hmm. You need to think about that. They talk about that even using mace in the traditional sense, but <laughs> yeah. also when you're around animals, that'd be the, the same kind of a thing, I would assume. But yeah, and then also I know some people will carry like the retractable police baton type deals, mm -hmm. you know, just to kind of fend the dog off, or at least yeah. you know if they get one that's really serious about. Harassing yeah, them. and I think most of them aren't. You know, they're just probably just doing their instinctive behavior. Yeah. You know, um, but uh, I was talking to one of our friends who cycles a lot. You know, she and her husband have done a lot of tours in the past, <clears throat> and um, they ride tandems. And she's using the back, and and she made the statement that you know using the maze or something like that is one thing if you're if you're not steering the bike mm. or braking. But if you're in charge of the controls, it's actually a little more risky. If you're startled and you're trying to do this and fumble around and get the stuff, it actually can be dangerous. You know, people crash, and you know, there's stories about that too. You know, yeah. So that's that wouldn't be a good thing. But, um, but I, I've never even I have a little can of mace. I've never even sprayed it. I have no idea what the what the distance is, and the, the, the spread. Maybe I should check it out. But yeah. No, no. So I don't know. I just I thought that was worth talking about because, you know, if you ride, you know, we'll ride 30, 40 miles pretty regularly. And even then, you know, you're going to encounter some things. But on the trail, you're not going to see much. Uh, but if you're going to ride through some farmland, some gravel for 100 miles, you're going to see some some dogs that don't we, want you on there. We encountered one or two when we were on the ride in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. One of them kind of was persistent. It was really more of a mm -hmm. noisemaker. He didn't mm -hmm. get right up in our face or anything, but he was mm -hmm. close. I mean, mm -hmm. like there was kind of a ditch between us, yeah. you know, and the, the road, and there was a ditch, and the dog was kind of in the ditch and sort of barking, and he didn't seem really aggressive. He just seemed defensive, I guess, maybe, like yeah. he was trying to sort of defend it. And then the, the owner was yelling at the dog the whole time. I remember that. The yeah. dog was obviously not listening. Dog didn't care. Didn't care what the owner was saying, which is not yeah. atypical, I don't think. I think that's very yeah. common once they get sort of focused yeah, on something. It takes a lot more than that. But then, yeah. Uh, but it seems like they're, you're always going to encounter them. And and I, I have this thing, too, that I think, I think sometimes dogs can kind of sense the person a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, some people they seem to be less attracted to. I think that's the case when you're in real life, well, you know, around dogs. I think there's mm -hmm. a, there is something to them uh, sensing the, the energy or whatever. Um, and some people they just some dogs just don't like some people. I don't know if it's yeah. the look, the smell. I, I, I don't know what yeah. it is, but there are differences in people the way dogs react to different people too. Yeah, maybe that's the case with the different bikes and different things yeah, too. I don't know. I think so you know, because you know, I'm clearly I I clearly have an anxiety of dog. I like dogs. We have dogs. Yeah. Um, I grew up having dogs, but I also had bad dog encounters when I was a kid. Okay. Um, including when I was on a bike. I've been knocked off my bike by a dog like this big. When you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have a low tolerance for, for that. I, I have a low threshold for a sort of posturing in a, in a defensive way, you know. Um, and that probably is never going to change. I'm just going to have to use to it and carry my wiffle ball bat. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I think, yeah. Uh, or something. Um, but it was kind of neat because I have a friend back home who knows about my history with dogs and bikes. Um, 
<clears throat> and he and I used to play a lot of wiffle ball. And so he really appreciates the pictures when I have a wiffle ball bat on the bike. Yeah. And the last several months, it hasn't been on there. And he said, like, I need to see this bat back on the bike. <laughs> so so it's back. Well, the bat is more than just offensive, too. It's also entertainment when you stop. Yeah. Um, you can always hit rocks or, yeah, like we said, hickory nuts, walnuts, any kind of a nut you yeah. can find. Or well, There's another game. I think you were part of this where we were eating cherries. And so either a Bing cherry or a Rainier cherry, you yeah. just uh, put Absolutely. it in your mouth. And when you're done, you spit the pit and hit, it hit the pit. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of challenging, but it's fun. Yeah. Uh, you can take a roll of toilet paper and put it right over the top of your uh, wiffle ball bat when you're camping. Yeah. All kinds of stuff can be used for. So tell us a little bit about, you know, continuing on with the ride. Ah. Tell us a little bit more about your ride and, and sort of anything you learned on the ride. Or yeah, okay. You, know, you, uh, you talked a little bit about the cold. You talked a little bit about, the, you know, you had some wool underneath, which one of the great characteristics of wool is it really, it breathes pretty well. It wicks mm -hmm. away moisture. It still keeps you warm, but one of its downfalls is is that air passes through it pretty easily. So, like, it's not very windproof, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So you had this rain jacket, which was probably pretty tight. A pretty tight garment as far as... Yeah, and it was a little much as a barrier. I mean, it really did, but because when I... I found this little store in the middle of nowhere. It was really kind of a neat place. So I stopped, and my idea was to warm up, dry off a little bit. Um, but I was... Uh, my outer layer, like underneath the, the rain jacket, was, was pretty wet. So it was, it, was, it was of no use anymore. It was like a fleece? Kind of, yeah. Um, yeah. And so basically, I just took it off, and I put it in my netting on top of the that I keep on top of the bag and just tried to dry it out as I was riding. But I had another backup layer that I ended up putting on. But I had to wait for a while. So I figured the whole ride, I was gone for 14 hours. Um, three of those were spent kind of downtime. You know, I made three different stops and a couple other stops on the way to troubleshoot something or other, or mm -hmm. my, my clothes. Um, and so it was total pedal time of 11 hours and 10 minutes is what I clocked it at. Okay. That's still so, good, though. I mean, that's uh, over 10 miles an hour. Yeah, it was, it, was a long, it was a long day, but um, I don't know. So one of the things that I, I have to sort out some more with, with my gear and stuff is I really do like these these wool garments. Yes, I agree with um, that. But I, I need a better strategy of how to manage that, how to get them to actually dry when I need to. Because, you know, if you stop, you get you just get cold. So maybe that's a good question for anyone out there who's watching or listening to this. If you have some feedback, please leave a comment. Uh, this is available by podcast, but also on YouTube. So maybe hop on the YouTube channel. Uh, but anyway, um, I would love to hear people's feedback about if you've got base. Let's just use an example. If you have a base layer of maybe a wool kind of thermal or long underwear, mm -hmm. maybe some kind of a wool shirt of some sort over that. What what are your layers then? What is the layer that will protect you from the wind but still breathe? Mm -hmm. Does it need to have like zippered? pits or areas. Yeah. I mean, you see a lot of road cyclists like to have something they can unzip and open to let mm -hmm, air mm -hmm. in, but also pit zips, yeah. as they call them, to let air out. Yeah. I don't know if that would help, like if you could get a little bit of circulation, but not yeah. the full wind. I don't know. I'm, I'm really yeah. curious. And that's part of the problem is I didn't buy some of these these pieces of gear with with just cycling in mind. It was right. this would be used for other things. You know, you wear them to my kids' soccer games, wear them for whatever outside. If we go boating, I wear them. Whatever it is, if it's chilly, just camping. So I'm trying I'm trying to keep a set of gear that's just pretty versatile. Yeah. And uh, that's that was 
it's harder to do. I don't like I don't like cycling jerseys. Um, you know, so um, th- that's something to really think about. So I'm, I'm experimenting with that, and I tried to go kind of fully loaded to because my my intent was to really do a randonneuring event this weekend. Right. Um, and the the, the sh- they do have 100k brevets, but I was shooting for a 200k, so I was just shy of that. Um, and I think my time would have been okay. I probably would have been able to finish as long as I didn't throw in a bunch of hills. Mm-hmm. If it had been flat, I would have been okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I learned a little bit about that. I learned that uh, more conditioning is probably needed to, to do that. Uh, I don't know. You have shorts. Yeah, shorts over kind of like a layer, um, like a base layer. Okay. It's funny looking, but that's kind of the way I went. Lots of people ride that way um, these days, though. I like that because then I did have a pair of uh, sort of biking padded shorts I could swap out. Yeah. You know, if I needed to. Wool socks or? Yeah, I had wool, wool socks. socks. and then just. Oh, uh, they were low cut. I didn't yeah. go with anything large. I haven't really done any high compression socks. I might try that sometime. I haven't either. So. Um, I actually had, for experimentation purposes, I had three different sets of gloves I tried out. Took them all, shoved them in this bag. Which did you try? Which um, did you find worked best? For this, like when it was really cold in the morning, I wore these sort of lobster gloves, uh-huh. and those were okay. All right. Um, and then I had some other gloves that are just sort of some outdoor gloves that are a little thicker than uh, the the last pair, which I used for most of the day, were really light, lightweight kind of ski gloves, but they really don't have much of a moisture barrier. So I wore those most of the time, and this setup worked fine because it wasn't raining. And then you had a wool hat. Did a wool hat, yeah. and I also had a balaclava that that I wanted because I my face was getting cold. Mm, you cheeks, know? yeah, cheeks, nose, nose down here. So I I swapped that out later too. I, that was the thing. I I just don't like cold weather, so I don't go out much in it. Yeah, didn't really know what to take, so I took a couple things. It does take some strategy, I think, when you're biking in cold weather. I'm not really a fan either. I mean, to be honest about it, but. I do think you do have to have different layers and the ability to kind of take things off and on and, and try out and find out what works. And even the day can be different. Some days when it's not real windy, mm-hmm. you might not need a wind break as much yeah. as the days when it is really windy or depends on the humidity, I think, sometimes. How yeah. cold, you know, dry cold is different than a damp mm-hmm. cold. All those things really factor in and can change. Yeah, and even sunlight helps. Yeah. And it was kind of sunny. Sunny versus cloudy day is yeah. a big difference. Well, and the temperature changed by almost 30 degrees yesterday. Yeah, so it started out, like you said, when you first got up 31, Just 32, above, you yeah. see you're like, scrap this for a few minutes, take yeah. a nap, yeah. and then leave. But yeah. it did get up to, what was the high in the 60s? It was, I think it just broke 60. 61, maybe, something yeah. like that. Okay. Yeah. That's all Fahrenheit for all you Celsius yeah. people. But, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think that, you know, when it comes to socks, I personally am a big fan of Darn Tough socks. They're you know wool company um, with some nylon in there mm-hmm. for the stretchy parts. So it does have a little bit of a blend in places of the sock. But what's cool about Darn Tough socks is they've got a lifetime warranty. And I've actually taken advantage of this. So if you wear the sock out, you just fill out a form, put it in a package, mail it back to them. They'll send you let, uh, basically a coupon code. That's redeemable for another free mm-hmm. pair of socks that includes the shipping. Oh, wow. Um, so all you do is go to their website, put in that code, order the pair of socks you want. It redeems for the value of whatever the original purchase of the sock yeah, you yeah. sent in. You can choose a different sock if you want, but they're only going to give you the dollar amount for whatever sock yeah. you bought. And they'll send you brand new socks. And I've done this like three times now. Wow. I own like four pairs of these. I wear them all the time. 
Um, I wear the ankle length, but they're great. They're warm, but they, they stay relatively cool in the summer. They breathe really well. They do wear out, though. They don't claim that they'll never wear out. Mm-hmm. What they claim is if you do wear them out, send them back. Yeah. They'll replace them. Speaking of, I think I had a pair of darn toughs on yesterday. I only have a couple pair of wool socks. And these are kind of thick, but I could have used a little thicker socks. So I think if I'm going to do this, I'm going to get a really good stout pair of wool socks for that. And they have all different styles there. I wear kind of the, the sort of the, the ankle length, you know, kind of made mm-hmm. for sports stuff. But they make they make you know, long, tall, heavy, light, all different kinds. You can pick all different kinds of things. And I've, mm-hmm. I've tried Smart Wool and I've tried Darn Tough. And there's one other wool brand. I can't remember what it was. But anyway, Darn Tough's the only one that replaces them for free. Yeah. Lifetime guarantee. As long as the dryer doesn't eat the sock or you don't lose the sock somewhere, you keep the pairs, you know, yeah. together. Or if you buy the same sock, you can send them back and they'll replace them for free. It's yeah. quite a deal. Now, they're not cheap. They're, they're $16, $17 yeah. a yeah. pair. Yeah. But for wool socks, it's probably not that far off the off the mark. And yeah. they're, you know, made in Vermont, local U.S. company. And they yeah. take the old socks and they actually recycle them. Oh, well. They, okay. re- they, they use the material again and other things. It's interesting. Well, yeah. No, I, I like the material. I, I was happy with it. Yeah, but they do wear out. I, I've yeah. worn out several pair of them, but it's nice to know you got a place you can just send them back yeah. and replace them. When it comes to gear, that's neat. Yeah. But shoes, you said you wore just, what kind of shoes did you have? These are, I should have brought them. Um, I think they're called Abeo. I bought them at a downtown uh, shoe store here. I paid quite a bit for them, but I, I really looked for them. Um, it's just a, it's almost like a cross between a low-cut hiking shoe and kind of a casual work shoe. Okay. Um, but they has, has a firm sole, and I use those to, to ride. Um, uh, they're pretty comfortable. I've, I've been happy with them so far. Um, and do they keep your feet fairly warm as yeah, far as... Yeah, I they're mean, pretty the, thick. They the socks are. are the important part, but, I mean, as far as windproof, like some yeah. shoes have a lot more fabric that wind can get through yeah. versus... And what's funny is I don't think these are made for, for this purpose. That's, it yeah. goes along with the other thing I said earlier. I, I just have a hard time going and putting on shoes that are made for cycling. I agree. I want to get to my location or destination and, and wear my shoes. Yeah, I think it's a has it's a real hassle to carry multiple pairs of shoes and stuff on a bike if you can find mm-hmm. shoes that you can that you're comfortable in when you're just walking around because yeah. uh, and you can use those on your bike. I mean, we both use flat pedals and we like that for that reason is that yeah. we don't have to carry a bunch. We might carry a pair of flip flops or something if you're mm-hmm. out, you know, camping or whatever. But yeah. other than that, so yeah. There is something you mentioned. Other <clears throat> things I learned. Other well, other obstacles in this trip. There. So, um, people watching or hearing may not quite realize we're in Missouri and it's been a bad flooding year. Right. And the Katy Trail, <clears throat> which is you know national and even world famous now, yep. um, a lot of it's damaged. Actually, repairing a lot of that now. But there's one section that has a rock slide that was I think precipitated by the flood. And. Where my route took me was pretty close to that area. So um, I went out on Highway 94, which is a two-lane highway with no shoulder. Typically, a lot of grain trucks and scary things going by. But um, as I discovered, the road's closed. So, of course, um, I mapped my bike over the roadblock because I wanted to go see what it was like. Because I was heading to Herman, I thought. Um, and the water's just totally over the road. Oh. And I think I think I probably could have gone through... But I didn't want wet feet yeah. yesterday. It was just too cold for that nonsense. And right. I was not about to do that. So I turned around, um, and that, that then became the furthest point of my ride. And then I kind of took a different route. I went back entirely to the Katy Trail. 
which gave me a total of almost 120 miles for the day. But which was your kind of goal? Yeah, yeah. I was shooting for 125, but <clears throat> I was I was happy to be done. So I just I chalked it up to a nearly did it. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> you know? good. That's good. Uh, and you kind of you you mentioned that you got home and then sort of realized that maybe <laughs> you were. You were a little dehydrated, but you had been. Now, how much water did you keep track of? How much water you drank, or do you have an idea? Well, I took I took two 1.5 liter bottles, and I had a liter bottle and a couple other things that I, you know, the more water I drink out of, uh-huh. with electrolyte tablets and stuff. Um, but along the way, you know, I stopped. I stopped at the place to warm up, so I had some water and coffee. Probably shouldn't have had, but you know, hey, that's that's what you do. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I may have actually stopped at the Mocaine Bar and Grill, had a big burger and a, and a bourbon and Diet Coke. May have done that. All too. right, yeah. Seems, seems to ring a bell. Um, but I also drank some water at that time. And then I could, you know, kept drinking my water with electrolyte solution, you know. I mean, it was an all-day thing, so when I look back, I, I probably didn't drink enough. I probably, I probably needed about another liter in me, you know. Um, <clears throat> but the thing is, you know, physiologically, if it's cold— your your body constricts your blood vessels. It all goes to the core. You're going to be fine. I got home. I started having some hip pain for one thing, and I was wheezing. Once I shut down, I started wheezing, and I'm 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 in some discomfort. So I sit in a hot bath. What does that do? It dilates all your blood vessels, and your blood pressure drops again. So I get up to dry off, and I nearly <laughs> nearly ended up in the ER. Well, in fairness, too, <laughs> you're a guy who does take some blood pressure yeah, medication. Yep, which, yep. So if there's anybody out there who takes blood pressure medication, you need to keep this in mind. I have this similar problem, not to the extent that you're talking about, but mm-hmm. I have noticed that um, I take a blood pressure med, and if I ride a long day and maybe don't drink as much as I should, mm-hmm. I don't think any of us ever drink as much as we should. If you're yeah. Probably if you're not you know, urinating periodically, then you're probably just not drinking enough. You know, yeah. if you're not really getting any water out, you're probably not getting enough in. But yeah. I'm notorious for never drinking enough. Mm-hmm. But then I'll get home, and I'm not even talking about a 120-mile day. I'm talking about a 30- to 50-mile day. Mm-hmm. I'll get home, and, you know, you bend over to take your shoes off or whatever, and you're just like, whoa, yeah. feel it. And you know then your blood pressure's probably really low. Because um, you don't have those issues normally, M- yeah. mo- most of the stone. I mean, you might have them every now and then, but yeah. um, as a general rule, that's when you kind of know. Okay, I probably didn't drink enough water. Yeah. Because if you're dehydrated, I got to assume that's probably lowers your blood pressure. Yeah, yeah, too. and that's one of the things that I've, I'm learning on, on on something like this. And the and the cold weather always throws a wrench in it because while I was sweating, I knew this, but I you just don't feel it. You know, I, I don't seem to develop the thirst as much. So I'm sure I'm not, you know, maybe what I should do is set a timer on my phone or something and, you know, just chug some water every so often. Because I was pretty conscientious about about taking in some food, you know. Um, that didn't seem to be a problem. I was doing okay with that, keeping up with, I never hit the hit the wall, none of that stuff. Yeah. So, but I think the water was definitely and, something I should do a better job. And electrolyte tablets, you're using the, the Noon? Yep, yep. I think they're cool. I like those, yeah. Um, bottle a little bit bigger than this. I'll put a half to one, yep. and I put some flavor in it because it tastes. There's flavor there, but it's not. You yeah, know, it's a little not, bit. If you're not familiar with those, they sell them in all kinds of different flavors. Mm-hmm. I don't know that any of them are great, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an electrolyte. It's not supposed to taste spectacular. Right. If yeah, you, you know, yeah. you, that's why you drink bourbon and coke. If you want something <laughs> that tastes spectacular, you drink bourbon. Right. If you want, yeah. you know, electrolytes, you drink something that tastes like electrolyte crap. 
So yep. it's as good as it's going to get, but they, they are scored, so you can break them in half. Mm-hmm. They're kind of big, though. They're about the size of maybe yeah. a quarter or something like that. Yeah. You can break them in half and put them in water bottles of any kind. But then they effervesce a little bit, mm-hmm. kind of like a you know an alcohol. Yeah. So you don't want to screw the cap down. Yeah, it'll pressurize if you <laughs> yeah. do. And then it yeah. kind of spews a little whenever you take it off or whatever. But you got to leave a little room in the bottle and you put them in there, and mm-hmm. they kind of fizz and dissolve, yeah. kind of shake them or whatever. But then my favorite thing to do, and I think you enjoy this as well, is to get those water flavor packets. Sometimes they have caffeine in them or whatever you mm-hmm. want. Get yeah. a little zip out of it, and I pour about a half of one in. Because mm-hmm. to me, sometimes they're even sweet. if they're sugar free, they still taste too sweet, mm-hmm. and that I can't like I have a difficult time with energy drinks or mm-hmm. not energy drinks, but sports drinks like Gatorade or or whatever. Because to me, they just taste too sweet. I yeah, mean, I can't. They can be a little make too me kind of nauseous sometimes if I drink yeah. them. I'm just like ooh. But this yeah. it's not bad if you do a half to a whole one of those tablets to a, a liter or less of water. I think it's one tablet per 16 ounces recommended, but I find that yeah. it might be a little much sometimes. But yeah. Well, I mix them up beforehand, too. You yeah. Know? Um, even my liter Nalgene, I you know put, put a whole tablet in there. And, you know, I kind of had things mixed up beforehand. So I didn't want to stop and do this on the side of the road, which I ended up doing anyway a couple of times. You know, I'm going all day. You're going to do a few things on the side of the road. Right. So... Yeah. yeah. How much gear did you have on the bike? Did you load it up or? Yeah, I had my 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 Fabs Fabio's chest, right? And that, on the handlebar. So I, I should probably confess, I did I did a couple of things that are stupid, um, <laughs> and so um, needless to say, my anything cages are not serviceable right now. One of them is not anyway, and so I find those to be pretty soft. And so I apparently tightened one down too much, and it came right off with my water bottle on it. Oh, wow. So I just left it, and I just put my water bottles then in the top, my, um, my, my big bag. Okay. The two liter and a half Nalgene's. <clears throat> Not thinking that I know, just don't torque them. But I didn't think I was torquing them too much, but it just, it didn't give me the resistance I was expecting when I put them back on this time. So... One of them is shot, and the other one is probably partially shot. So I left it on there so I could have my wiffle ball bag. Gotcha. So I had one anything cage on the on the on the fork. But anyway, so um, I had I had my iPad, which I didn't need because I actually managed to have some some call coverage for hospice and everything else. Um, some chargers, um, things like uh, some little cords, and. Maybe a couple extra items of clothing there, and then I had the bag in the back mm-hmm. with like my lock and a couple other things. Um, that's it. I mean, it was. It seems like it was more because it seemed heavy, you know. So I and I had food. I, I certainly had. Uh, what I'm using now is just a food bag. Is my old uh, com- um, stuff sack for my old Big Agnes uh, uh, air mattress that, that died, and so yeah. now it's just a bag I shove snacks in. Uh, snacks and just food items. So I had that. It was all in the big bag up front and kind of tools and stuff in the back. Yes. So. Did you have your little pizza bag in? Yep. Had so that. Little pizza bag. And- yeah. That had my, had a, you know, a key fob. But I always keep these little hemostats now. If people don't know what hemostats are, they're like real narrow, almost like needle nose pliers, but they're medical and you clip them together and they'll just hang on something. Uh, what I use those for is, you know, when you're putting on all these bags and straps, you got to, you, you sort of got to thread these things through little slots. And so I'll reach that in, grab the uh, the Velcro and pull it through. So I keep that on the bike now. Um, I'm always messing with it. So. Yeah. 
that and I don't know stuff like that I uh, did have three feed bags and a new little bag a little purple bag I had bought so I had one of my my secret weapon for sugar was cinnamon bears oh right yeah, had a little yeah. container of cinnamon bears two uh, two water bottles and a, and a coffee coffee container so you had a little sugar hit locate little mm-hmm. location for some sugar hit off the yeah. cinnamon bears and yeah then, and you get some yeah coffee and water so I just playing with the configuration you know right so yeah it was it was fun it was a good ride for that because I I just wanted to see you know if I could ride all, all damn day uh, yeah and and to see how you know how the gear worked out and I wasn't too far from home so worst case scenario I could I could you know call for an extraction however it probably would have been you because everybody was gone yeah well, all I, was, my, I was around so. all my family were gone doing yeah. something so uh yeah but it, it turned out okay that's a that's a decent ride for the fargo though i mean that's a long ride from anybody out there that's ridden a fargo and knows that's a that's a hefty ride that's yeah it's a lot of, it's a lot of mass yeah um but it's you know it's a comfortable ride you know i mean i i think i'm getting the, the brook saddle you know i think it's kind of it's kind of uh, gelling with me, you know. I've finally got the handlebars kind of really where I want them, you know, the grips and all that stuff. Um, most things I, you know, I think are kind of dialed in. You had a few it. adjustments made, and we can show folks this sometime, but you had a few adjustments made right before this ride, though, where they rerouted a couple cables for you. Yeah. Kind of moved mm-hmm. them out of your way for some gripping areas. And you had you had a bar end shifter that you use for your for your main. Yeah, the front front uh, chain ring. Yeah, so the bike was set up as a one by eleven. So I only had trigger. Well, yeah, I had trigger shifters on the, on the right, and and then when I moved everything to these crazy bars, I ride up here and I ride kind of right here. Yep. So I'll 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 shift with these two fingers, yep. the, the fourth fifth finger. So it's strange that's just it's comfortable for me. Um, so that one was okay, but um, I had some other stuff going on on the left when I decided to change it to a two by. Um, and then so they had this bar end shifter, but it was it would it would swing out. And these are already really wide handlebars, right? And that added like at least an inch to it. Yeah. So yeah, I had them I had them rotate that down, but in doing so, take the cable that runs under the the grip farther under because it was kind of in the way. Uh, it's hard to explain, but how was it changing that shifter that bar end shifter to being down? Did you I like that definitely yep. definitely like that yep. definitely like that. And it gave me more room for my fingers when I'm on the. On the horns there, yeah, because I lean forward a lot <clears throat> doing that. Um, not necessarily for climbing, just for comfort. It's all about this about different hand positions. I yeah, guess. yeah, that's right. Just to change things up. Yeah. So you're in now. You're in the shop now to have different tires put on for winter, right? Yeah, that's kind of so funny. Kind of more from a trail <clears throat> tire, like kind of had more of a road trail. Yeah, road hard pack yeah. kind of stuff. And I'm getting some. I've uh, been on these Terra Vales. I really like the Terra Vale. Um, so on the sparwood is what I'm running them now. Really like those. But if you have anything that's really off-road, needs some, some more traction. And I put a lot of miles on those, so I, the tread's going down now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I'm getting the Terravale Honcho, I think it's called. And I'm going from the 29 rims to the 27 and a half, because I already had those. Yeah. <clears throat> so the idea being I can just switch them out pretty theoretically quickly. So you can have the same cassette put on your 27s yep. mm-hmm. and then yep. be able same. to switch them out between the 29s and the 27s. Yep, same cassette. Uh, everything's pretty much the same. They're just going to rig up the spacers so that really both of them fit. And, uh, yeah. yeah, that's kind of my plan for, for that. Um, because, you know, on the 
and the weather here, and I'd like to maybe do a little bit of kind of local single track stuff that these tires aren't going to be any good for. Right. So that's that's the plan. Cool. Well, that's quite a ride, man. I think we'll uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. But that was uh, you know, it sounds like quite a, quite a ride for cold weather number one, two <laughs> yeah. on the Fargo, yeah. and three just because it's a longer distance than what you've done in quite some time. I mean, you've yeah. you've yeah. done hundred mile days before, but that that's probably yeah. is that the longest ride. That you've is ever the longest done? ride I've done. Yep. Yeah. For sure. That's good. Yeah. Well, that's that's quite an accomplishment. I I couldn't I couldn't have held up to that. I haven't put was, enough miles in to. Uh, but it was mostly flat, so uh, that changed a lot of it. You know that that made it a little more achievable for sure. Because yeah. um, all that weight on, on a bunch of hills would have been would have been different. Right. <laughs> I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you guys for coming along with us on this. Um, obviously, we have this on YouTube channel. Um, it's my. Uh, my YouTube channel, Brad Beard, it's a B-E-A with an I in the middle of that, a B-E-A-I-R-D. You can check it out on YouTube if you are on any podcast platform, pretty much. This is distributed via Anchor, but it's on Google and Apple and just about every major SoundCloud, all the major ones out there now, it gets distributed. So hopefully you'll subscribe, leave us some feedback, uh, you leave a review or a, a rating or an upvote or subscribe if you haven't. We appreciate you following along. Hope you enjoyed this. We just kind of finished up that Kentucky deal, and I did do a little video review of the hammock, which uh, was on awesome. Amazon and on YouTube as well. On the, I did an Amazon review of that, and overall was happy with that. So we're just kind of following up with this week's podcast on long rides, dogs, <laughs> cold weather gear, yeah, and then sort of. Minor bike changes. Medication management. Medication management. That's right. Monitor your blood pressure, all those things. Everything yeah. that goes along with arthritic bourbon bikers. Right. You Hypertensive bur arthritic bourbon. Right. You had a uh, bourbon and Coke on this last ride, so it kind of fits in with the theme. So yeah. thanks, everybody, for following along, and we'll see you again soon.